2: You're listening to Intelligence Squared. It's the Sunday debate, and we're talking big tech and big decisions this week. Here's our host, the economist and broadcaster, Linda Yu, with more.
0: Hello, I'm delighted to host this debate on Is It Time to Break Up Facebook? We're joined by two leading thinkers to help us try and answer this question. And in just a moment, we're going to hear an opening statement from each of them to see where they stand on the question. And from there, I'll moderate a discussion between them where we will draw out some of the themes in greater depth. So our first speaker is Matt Stoller. He's Director of Research at the American Economic Liberties Project and former Policy Advisor to the Senate Budget Committee. He is the author of Goliath, the Hundred-Year War Between Monopoly Power and Democracy. Matt, the floor is yours. Thank you. So yeah,
1: so, so Facebook, I mean, let's start with what Facebook is. Facebook is a conglomerate. It, it is a result of hundreds of acquisitions over the course of 20 years and essentially like privacy violations and lawlessness from the beginning. What is the problem with Facebook? My view is that Facebook is a threat to democracy and a democratic self-rule. It is a concentration. They they have um, a significant chunk of the online advertising market, and they have market power over the social networking space through their control of, I think you could call it four different products. They sometimes, so it's Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, and Messenger. They put Messenger as a separate product, but you could say it's three or four but each of those has uh, billions of users. I think Instagram hit 2 billion last week. And so the rules that um, Zuckerberg puts in place are effectively government rules. And I, I'm not saying that myself. Zuckerberg said it. He he said running Facebook in in many ways is more like running a government than a business. We're, we're setting policy. That's why he brought on Sheryl Sandberg, because she had government experience in the, the Clinton treasury department. So... We've known that there is deception at Facebook at the highest levels for a long time. They routinely defraud advertisers by telling them things about their metrics that are not true. Uh, they they deceive users. They've had multiple consent decrees with the FTC, multi-billion dollar fines. There are antitrust suits, uh, allegations of wrongdoing, and really from, from the beginning, but it just keeps getting worse. The UN said, sanctioned them saying, you guys kind of contributed to a genocide in Myanmar. There's just lawlessness there. So We have to make us create a situation where the law is more than a suggestion to Mark Zuckerberg. So I think we need to uh, go beyond breakups and actually criminally charge Zuckerberg with various forms of fraud and insider trading. There's plenty of evidence there. But in terms of reining in the democratic threat to self-rule that Facebook presents, it's more than just reestablishing the rule of law. It's the powerful, which is broader than Facebook. It's also about getting rid of their dominant market power in social media and social media advertising, which is, again, the result of hundreds of acquisitions, as well as the use of unfair methods of competition, like kicking competitors off its platform or using psychological techniques to addict users into spending more time on their sites. So by using these techniques, Facebook's able to redirect revenue that should go to trusted publishers to themselves and also to degrade privacy standards. If you break up Facebook and you just separate it out into its component parts, then what will happen is you'll go back to an era of the early or mid-2000s when Facebook itself was competing and had to compete with MySpace by differentiating through better privacy controls. So back in the mid-2000s, Facebook said, don't use MySpace, use Facebook. We're safer. We're not, we don't have a bunch of creeps like MySpace. We don't sell your data. We even will allow you to vote on our privacy policy. We will never use tracking cookies. That's what they said. And then they, when they once they defeated MySpace and then bought their competitors, they started surveilling everyone, including surveilling uh, third-party business partners. And it doesn't matter if you don't like that because there's really nowhere else to go for what Facebook delivers, which is uh, social media, the ability to connect with with friends and family, as well as have some sort of broadcasting capacity. And like users can't really leave. And advertisers can't really, really leave. And that's what we've seen every time there's attempt to be user boycotts or advertising boycotts, it doesn't affect the business. So if you were to break up Facebook, what you would see is a return to the competitive environment where they would eat Instagram and Facebook and WhatsApp would try to differentiate themselves based on privacy and safety. I think there are other things that we need to do. We need to get rid of their invasive tracking and advertising model that would restore that basically like the internet is a dumpster fire because the incentives that facebook has set up for clickbait that's like the whole model that's what surveillance advertising does and we need to address that but just in terms of like the core problem here is the concentration of power in the hands of a small group it's just inappropriate and even if mark zuckerberg were an angel and i you know he probably is trying his best It doesn't matter. Nobody can run what he calls a community of 2 billion people. So that's the argument for why we have to break up Facebook and and rein in their power.
0: Thank you, Matt. Now it's time for our next speaker, Sinan Aral. He's the David Austin Professor of Management at MIT and Director of the MIT Initiative on the Digital Economy. His book out now is The Hype Machine, How Social Media Disrupts Our Elections, Our Economy, and Our Health and How We Must Adapt. Sinan. The floor is yours for your opener.
3: Thanks very much for having me. And uh, thank you, Matt, uh, for that excellent and well-thought-out set of arguments for breaking up Facebook. I think this is an incredibly important debate and conversation. So let me start off by saying that I basically agree with Matt on all points except the part about breaking up Facebook. And let me sort of explain what I mean by that. Social media's potential harms are real. Disruptions of our privacy, our democracy, our economy, and our public health I've written extensively about these harms in my book and over 20 years of research. I also believe that competition is absolutely essential, both to ensuring innovation and to addressing all of these harms uh, of social media. And in fact, I cite competition as the primary or prima facie issue in solving or adapting to social media in my book. But in my mind, breaking up Facebook will not create lasting competition in the social media economy. It does not address any of the potential harms of social media that Matt described or that I described in my book, and it will only serve to distract us in a long, And protracted likely unsuccessful 10-year antitrust battle from the real work of creating structural reforms to the social media economy itself. So the reason why breaking up Facebook doesn't solve for competition is because of the underlying economics of the social media economy. The social media economy tends towards market concentration because it runs on network effects. The value of a social media platform is a function of the number of users that uh, use it. The larger the platform, the harder it is to leave and the more power it amasses. So breaking up the market leader will just tip the next Facebook-like company into market dominance if you do not also have structural reforms to the social media economy itself. So what does that mean? Well, we need structural reforms to the social media economy like interoperability, data and social network portability, the strict regulation of anti-competitive practices, and forward-looking merger oversight. And what do I mean by that? So take, for instance, interoperability. The reason why Facebook's network effects are so large and so unassailable is because they don't have to interoperate with any other platforms. I'll give you a historical example. During the Time Warner merger, when the FCC forced AOL to make their AIM Instant Messenger interoperable with Yahoo and MSN Messenger and others in 2002. AOL's market share, which was the dominant uh, messaging platform, fell from 65% to 59% a year later to 55% a year after that, and three years later, it seeded the entire market to new entrants. Right now, there's legislation, bipartisan legislation like the Access Act that's sitting in front of Congress now, which would force any social media platform Mm -hmm. over 100 million users to become interoperable. And that would be a structural reform to the social media economy that would begin to deal with the network effects that create market concentration. Another great example is data and social network portability, being able to take your social network uh, with you when you switch from one provider to another. Right now you can, quote unquote, download your data from Facebook. This is a, a total farce. There is no real ability to take or port your data from Facebook to elsewhere. The example there is number portability. It used to be that you couldn't take your cell phone number with you when you switched from Verizon to Sprint. When Europe instituted number portability in Europe, it created about $880 million of consumer surplus every quarter for years and years and years between 1999 and 2006. That's an example of a structural reform that would really affect the market structure of the social media economy. These types of social uh, of structural reforms to the economy are even more important as we look to the fourth internet and the rise of the metaverse. If the metaverse evolves as a non-interoperable system similar to what we have in social media, these problems are just going to get worse. And breaking up Facebook really does nothing to solve for privacy or to solve for fake news, or to solve for the impacts on our democracy or our public health. All of these problems remain if Facebook is broken up into three pieces. And it may actually make the problems worse because it's harder to police them in a decentralized manner. And it's more companies to deal with in terms of the regulations that Matt describes that I also believe we actually need to deal with the problems of social media that Matt Described. So in summary, I agree competition is essential. I agree that the market is concentrated. I agree that social media ha- creates a number of potential harms. But where we differ is in whether breaking up Facebook or much more sustainable structural reforms to the social media economy itself are the best solution for competition.
0: Thank you very much, Sinan. Um, I want, there's tons of issues both of you have flagged that I want to now go into um, to try and uh, tease out uh, more the reasons for your differences in terms of specifically, Matt, I'm going to start with you. Why is antitrust necessary? So in other words, why is regulation insufficient?
1: So I, I don't, I mean, the antitrust is a specific body of law. I don't care how you break up, whether you use antitrust law in a court case or whether you have Congress pass a law that says you 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 can break up firms in lots of different ways. We've broken up firms through regulation. We've done it through antitrust cases. We've done it through laws. Glass-Steagall was a law where we broke up the banking system. It's simple conceptually. Just WhatsApp and Instagram and Facebook Blue are all separate services. There are no economies of scale there. I mean, there are economies of scale with each of those, but like there's no economies of scale jamming them together. It's kind of like YouTube, and Google search. They might both have economies of scale, but like putting those two together doesn't, there's no efficiency there. So separating those out is conceptually super easy and not, not particularly hard to do. How you do it, I don't care. I'd like it done quickly. So I'd like Congress to just pass a law to do it. I will just note one thing, which is like I've gone over interoperability and the Access Act in detail. And if you think that antitrust is complicated or hard to deal with, like, good luck. I mean, with anything related to interoperability, with AOL and Instant Messenger, you had the Federal Communications Commission, which has an 80-year track record of intrusively regulating telecommunications companies. There are a lot of people there that know what they're doing. We have nothing like that with regards to big tech. The language in the Access Act is ridiculous and flabby and will be litigated for, for 10 years and probably be thrown out by the courts. And Facebook is not going to be your friend when it comes to trying to impose interoperability there. Just not going to happen. So there's a sort of naivete when it comes to, like, thinking about, oh, yeah, we need regulations. I mean, like, have you looked at the government lately? Like, have you seen the government actually implement rules on a new sector in any coherent and non-corrupt and non-stupid way in the last, like, 10 years. I worked on Dodd Frank. I worked a little bit on the ACA. I can tell you the government is not good at this right now. Like the simplest thing to do is the best thing to do. And the simplest thing to do is criminal charges. We know how to do that. Chop up the firms into what they used to be at. Like there's still people that work on Instagram and there's people that work on WhatsApp. Just split them up. That's the what Wall Street would do. An intrusive, weird regulatory regime that no one in government knows how to implement and no one in government wants to implement ain't going
0: to work. Sinan, let me bring you into this at this point on why would what Matt is suggesting um, in terms of breaking up Facebook into WhatsApp, into Instagram, after all, Facebook actually acquired these companies, you know, why would that not be a good solution, in
3: your view? Well, I mean, it may be a simple solution, but it isn't a solution for anything, because the market concentration problem persists with three large companies broken apart from each other, and the economy's tendency towards market concentration will continue its march towards market concentration without any structural reform to the economy itself. The only thing we'll get is a re-aggregation and concentration of the economy post a breakup. Those large companies will continue to be large, they will get larger, and there will continue to be aggregation and agglomeration uh, without any structural reform. It might be a simple solution where it probably does nothing to the competition problem in the long term in a sustainable way. It does even less for the litany of harms that Matt has outlined, does really nothing on privacy. It does really nothing on democracy or fake news or any of the other things to advocate a solution for those other things, Mac has to reach into his grab bag of other solutions, like sending Mark Zuckerberg to jail or, you know, having a federal privacy legislation or regulating uh, different types of speech, because the breakup doesn't actually do any of that.
0: Mm. Mm. Matt, just come back on that in terms of the structural problem. So if you break up Facebook, um, what Sinan is arguing is it doesn't actually address that the entire economy tends towards these agglomeration effects.
1: This is, I mean, look, there's the economy doesn't tend towards anything. I mean, saying the economy tends towards concentration, I mean, Economy, You know, there's economies of scale and they'll just, all the big will just reacquire. I mean, that's just, there's no evidence for that. It's just like a bunch of random statements. Oh, if you break them up, they'll reacquire it. Like, yeah, if you don't enforce merger law. Like, the thing is, is there's just this assumption that the rule of law doesn't, isn't a thing. And it's ridiculous. Like, we have laws against illegal mergers. The reason that big tech Google, Apple, Amazon, and Facebook are the way they are is because they acquired roughly 800 to 1,000 companies and our antitrust enforcers didn't challenge a single one. And that is an unusual moment in American history where we just decided not to enforce the rule of law. Guess what? If you don't enforce the rule of law, then dominant firms are going to run everything. So like, I think we all agree that we need a rule of law, right? And if you're just going to assume, oh, well, you know, because of, you know, a capitalism or whatever kind of like gnomes under the bridges at, at night, like, you know, whatever kind of nonsense you're going to put out there about how things inevitably work. What you're basically saying is there won't be any rule of law and like, okay, I concede, if there's no rule of law, there's nothing we can do about Facebook. But if there's no rule of law, there's no way to regulate it either. So let's just put the idea that there's no rule of law off the table, stop this nonsense where we say, oh, everything inevitably consolidates and recognize that we're talking about systems that are made by human beings and can be structured by human beings. So I think that's like the, the predicate here. Like, I, I think most of his assumptions are just kind of garbage. The other point is, is that- Matt,
0: actually, let me just bring in- uh, Let me no, just, no let me, Matt, let me, let me, sorry. Let me just bring in CNN- Hang on. on
1: Hang on. Hang on. Let me just address the other point. I laid out the history of MySpace and Facebook competing on product differentiation and privacy. And I'd like to hear Sinan address that because the competitive dynamics here actually matter. And just by saying, well, you'll have three Facebooks and they'll all be evil is not what happened. They actually have to compete. On, yeah. on on creating better products and services. And the last time we saw that happen, okay. they did. Yeah. You
3: know, I mean, I think uh, I do think that it's important to understand the underlying uh, reasons for these arguments. So while that was boisterous, I kind of found it substance free. The arguments for why the market tends towards concentration are based on about 50 years worth of Nobel Prize winning economics <laughs> research. <laughs> Yeah. So, if you read the work of- Wait, no.
1: Can can we get like- Can I finish? Sorry. Yeah, go on.
3: So, if you read the economics literature on network effects, the concept of it tending towards monopoly is both theoretically and empirically demonstrated with data and with models of the economy, both. And it has borne out to be true when you have demand side economies of scale, when you have network effects that aggregation of companies, even without acquisition, is likely because value is a function of the number of users that a particular platform has. Now, when it comes to MySpace and Facebook, there are very good arguments and data to support the fact that it wasn't a design issue, or a UX issue, or a privacy promise that allowed Facebook to defeat MySpace. You know, 0.003% of people read EULAs about privacy when they decide which social network to join. The reason Facebook defeated MySpace is because it grafted itself onto a clustered set of network relationships that began in college. The MySpace network was sparse. When you joined MySpace, you were likely to know no one because it was just on what music you liked and so on. Facebook adopted a different go-to-market strategy where they onboarded college after college, then office after office and high school after high school where everyone knew each other. So when you joined, it felt safe and all of your friends were there. That is the network effect that kept people coming to Facebook and that kept people from leaving Facebook. It wasn't because of a UX design or the blue of the Facebook masthead. It was the economic network effects that created their ability to grow so well. And that's all described uh, in my book as well as all of the research uh, that is cited on the economic network effect itself.
0: In the time available, I want to cover off um, as much as we can in terms of both points that both of you have raised. So, Matt, so part of Sinan's argument is that by breaking up Facebook, you wouldn't necessarily address problems, structural problems in terms of other social media. So, if you are worried about fake news, for instance, would breaking up Facebook have an impact on these social ills, or is it just taking attention away from some of these structural reforms that are needed?
1: So, let me ask you the question. is so the topic of this debate is why we should break up Facebook? Are you asking me the question, why, like, are you assuming that I, that I only want to break up Facebook and that Facebook needs to solve all the world's ills? I'm, I'm happy to say why I think Facebook should be broken up. There are other, I mean, I, I never said that Facebook, breaking up Facebook will solve all of the world's problems. Sure.
0: Okay. Matt, the next question um, is still going to be uh, to you. Is there potential harm to the economy from breaking up Facebook? Since people are dependent on its services? And could that lead to indirect uh, impact that you ought to think about when thinking about breaking up Facebook?
1: So it's a really interesting question because I think that we have a situation right now where, you know, the, my core argument is political that Facebook is a threat to democracy and that the rule of law is for the powerful is just a suggestion. And you have to do a number of things to address that. Cause that's not just a Facebook problem. It's a it's sort of you can go back to the late nineties, early two thousands and find analogs, but it's it's gotten worse. So I, I think that you have to do a number of things of like that. And one of them is you have to break Facebook's power by breaking it up. But if you don't also accompany it with a real threat to Zuckerberg's, like if you don't make him personally liable for the anti-competitive behavior and the various forms of fraud that Facebook has engaged in. And by, by fraud, I mean they have, um, or allegedly engaged in, they, they keep settling cases where they are lying to advertisers to get them to spend more money on phantom users or, or whatever. If you don't actually put some personal stakes in here for the decision makers, then when you do the breakup, yeah, they're going to screw things up intentionally and sabotage the economy to make policymakers that are challenging them look bad. And that that's the, you know, essentially when you allow monopolists to take so much power over the economy that they run core infrastructure, you have a blackmail problem. And I think that another way to phrase your question is, isn't Mark Zuckerberg so too powerful to govern? A, the, the open that's like a that's a really interesting question. And it suggests that it, if he is, anything that we try is going to fail. Because if we break up Facebook and he doesn't want he wants to sabotage us, he can, unless we make it personally liable and say, you do this, you're gonna have real trouble, or we restore the rule of law like we did in the 1930s. Anything that we try that will actually change Facebook's behavior in a way that Mark Zuckerberg doesn't like or their executives don't like, you're gonna find that same disruptive type of arrangement where they just say, Well, you broke it and now we're gonna force you to eat the consequences, even if they could do things in a way that wasn't disruptive, they will intentionally not do it that way because that's how
2: monopolists roll. Intelligence Squared is a tight knit team doing big things. And it means we're always looking for tools that can help streamline managing tasks. That's why I want to talk to you for a minute about NetSuite. NetSuite provides cloud-based software to get things moving. Maybe your business has been humming, but you can feel things are falling behind a little bit. Or perhaps your team is getting snowed with manual tasks and closing those books is taking forever. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, 1, 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle, 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. Right now, you can download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com/squared. That's netsuite.com/squared to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com/squared
0: Sinan, um, I want to bring you in here and actually explore this idea of why it has been hard for the U.S. government to find that Facebook is a monopoly. For a lot of people listening, they might say, gosh, they sort of seem like a monopoly. <laughs> and yet it's been difficult, hasn't it, in terms of just making that determination?
3: Sure. I mean, I'd like to just uh, two sentences on the idea of antitrust being used to rein in corporate power as opposed to regulate competition and provide for competition. So I think it's worth noting the views of economists like Carl Shapiro, who have written uh, extensively on this notion of antitrust being used to rein in political power. And what he says is basically that antitrust institutions are really poorly suited to address problems associated with excessive political power of large organizations. And, you know, he says that asking the DOJ and the FTC to evaluate mergers and business conduct based on the political power of the firms involved invites corruption by allowing the executive branch to punish its enemies and reward its allies through antitrust cases brought or not brought by antitrust enforcers, and that asking the courts to approve or block mergers based on political power of merging firms would undermine the rule of law while inevitably drawing the judicial branch deeply into political considerations, which, as we know, is a bad idea. I think that the reason why it's going to be an uphill battle to fight this antitrust case, I I think Matt's right. You could do it in Congress or in court, but I think the court is an uphill battle because they have a problem of the market definition. As we've already seen in sort of the opening salvos, Uh, first defining the market in a way that isn't kind of absurd and still gets you to a monopoly status, considering the competition in any of the reasonable markets that you could define, is going to be difficult. The second big problem that they have is that there was oversight over these mergers and these mergers were approved at the time. So to sort of uh, say that uh, we get a, a redo uh, after there have been hundreds of millions of dollars of investment post an approved merger uh, is a problem. And of course, there's a footnote in the merger approval that says we have the right to uh, revisit this issue. But certainly it is a problem for the merger to have seen the mergers to have seen oversight and been approved and then to have to revisit them. So I think that market definition is a problem. I think the fact that there was oversight and these were approved is a problem. And I think that using antitrust law to control the political power of large corporations has been noted in the literature for decades as being extremely problematic for the rule of law and for the rise of corruption.
0: I was going to ask you actually both the same question, which is on a practical level, and I preface it by saying, I know CNN doesn't want to break up Facebook, but given this discussion that we just had about the difficulty of establishing monopolies and obviously and, and various things, it's not to go against your argument, it's just to help listeners um, think through, you know, with your expertise and your expertise, Matt, what would a breakup of Facebook look like and what impact... Could that have um, on the economy?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, let's assume that you you're the the judge. You've ruled it's the remedy stage. What do you do? My guess is that you probably need to like you split up the firm into maybe four or f- five different firms. I'd say, you know, WhatsApp, Facebook, Blue Messenger, and um, Instagram, and then I'd also split off the advertising, the ad tech piece of it and you know this this would need more study and, and a remedy phase and then i i probably also have you know every breakup also has conditions on it so i'd probably impose interoperability conditions and probably privacy restrictions as well the idea is that right now there's one railroad to get to facebook's audience you have four railroads that's better than one right because that means you you know you can compete if you're a, if you're a publisher and you're trying to get to market now you have four roads into market than just one it's not ideal you'd want many more than that four is better than one if you split off and you have like a an, an ad tech stack that's independent So you have these four networks that are making a deal with the ad tech firm because there's a lot like they have millions of advertising clients and just that is a barrier to entry in and of itself. So if you split that off, then that ad tech firm can start to cut deals with other social networks or other web and app properties to distribute advertising. And so you would be spreading advertising money around and across the web in a way that wouldn't be consolidating that ad revenue anymore into the hands of one firm. You know, it's not going to address everything you have to do. Like, we have a problem. I think one of the things that Sinan has noted is that we have 50 years of pro-monopoly economic research nobel prizes given to people who have been systematically wrong and have consolidated power the literature it's changing because economists noticed after they screwed up during the financial crisis and didn't notice too big to fail banks the, some of the younger ones are looking and saying oh maybe we shouldn't consolidate wealth and power it's actually a bad thing so you're seeing different literature come up but it's true that for the last 50 years, we have been policymakers led by economists have been consolidating wealth and power. So just dealing with, you know, Facebook is like a symptom of this as well as a, an amplifier of it. So just dealing with Facebook isn't going to fix everything. But that's how I would split it up. I'd try to take these four product lines, split them up, split off the ad firms so you get rid of the vertical integration there, and then impose privacy restrictions on those individual firms and, and interoperability mandates to facilitate a more competitive market. And then you'd also have to basically start to enforce the Clayton Act again, which is the merger prohibition, and say that you, you really can't merge again. So you don't want to allow the firms to be able to recreate Facebook by remerging.
0: merging Sure. Thank you. Sanan. again, same question to you. Is there a, in your view, a way of, you know, breaking up Facebook that could achieve some of the aims that you've outlined in terms of Competition Again, not to for you to go against your argument, um, but just kind of drawing on a practical level the central point of this debate, which is, you know, is it time to break up Facebook? What would it actually look like and what impact would it have on the economy?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth just quickly addressing something Matt just said about the last 50 years of research. I think it's really important to make a distinction between the literature that he is uh, referring to and the literature that I'm referring to as being quite different. So, there's been a tradition in economics research, starting with uh, Bork, you know, the Chicago School, which is all about strictly and narrowly defining monopoly harms as being about prices and how uh, consumers are really harmed by monopoly status because monopolists can increase prices. That literature is definitely changing, as young economists note, because the digital economy doesn't work that way. Facebook doesn't charge prices to the consumer. The The price of Facebook to a consumer is free. So defining monopoly harms based on price increases alone is a horrible definition. I think all economists would agree on that. And we have to start taking into account other types of harm. What can uh, monopolists do that harm consumers besides raise prices like Degrade privacy or allow, uh, misinformation and so on. I think that that literature is changing and Matt is correct in saying that. Um, but at the same time, that's not the literature that I was referring to at all. The literature that I'm referring to, um, is the literature on network effects and that that creates market concentration and that the, that the antitrust solution to aggregation and agglomeration due to network effects doesn't work, that literature really isn't changing. And when economists are asked about whether we should break up Facebook, they essentially say that this doesn't address network effects. And so when you say, how do we break up Facebook in a way that works? Like, what what would you do? How would you do it? I would say, I would go back to my original argument, which is that the breakup of Facebook is much more likely to be successful in an environment where there is interoperability than in an environment where there is no interoperability. The reason for that is very simple. Facebook, we estimate, our research at MIT estimates that Facebook creates about $370 billion a year in consumer surplus for the consumer in the US alone. More than 80% of Facebook's users are outside of the US and in some parts of the world, Facebook is the internet in parts of Africa and the Philippines and so on. That's a lot of value. Um, And the reason why Facebook creates value is in the networked connections that it creates for consumers and consumers, the institutions and so on. And so if you break those connections without allowing for their interoperability, you will be wiping tons of consumer surplus right off the the plate of the consumer uh, every day going forward. If you break up Facebook into three companies or five companies or four companies, in an era of interoperability, then you can preserve that networked value while uh, also increasing competition. So, while I'm not advocating for breaking up Facebook here, breaking up Facebook will be much more effective and much less detrimental uh, in an environment of interoperability than in an environment in which
1: there is no interoperability. Can I ask a quick clarifying question? Um, So, Sinan, would you Would you concede that there's a difference between like if so when you say like network effects, if I were to say I'm going to take Facebook blue and split it up into 10 companies and it's not interoperable. So even if you and I are both on Facebook, we can no longer communicate like that's bad, right? That would actually that's the kind of consumer. Capacity like that you're describing, right? Right. It
3: would essentially make it uh, impossible for us to get the value of having a network. Right. So,
1: so you and I are on the fo- same phone network. You split up that phone network. We can no longer communicate. That's bad. Right. But there's a difference between that and saying, I use WhatsApp, and WhatsApp is a network, and Instagram is a network. They're both a- owned by the same legal entity, but they're not interoperable. And you split those up, there's no um, degradation to, and put all in investments that Facebook's done in those companies, put that aside, you split those up, there's no degradation of the consumer experience, right? Well,
3: well I mean, I think it depends. And uh, I think that there is less of a degradation than any given vertical, uh, because so, there are less- Because oh, you, you can still,
1: like I could still communicate. So we're talking about two separate, when you take network effects, like within a network, that's true, but Facebook owns multiple networks. And is and those so there's not really we're not really talking about network effects when we're talking about splitting up Facebook.
3: No, no. What I'm talking about network effects is take for yeah, instance. I feel
1: like you're confusing like you're you're kind of like implying oh I, he just wants to smash up Facebook Blue when I keep saying we're splitting up no. WhatsApp. Instagram and Facebook, no. and then you're throwing in network effects, and it's kind of confusing.
3: No, nope. so for instance, what I'm saying is that uh, a consumer should be able to communicate from one social media platform to the other in the same way that they can communicate from Verizon no, no, to I, Sprint. I, I, we both
1: agree on that. I, that's not. That's not. You're just saying, oh, there's a network effect problem here, and there isn't. When I say we split these and these, now I'm not saying split up the networks themselves. I'm saying split up the legal subsidiaries that are themselves self-contained networks. So Instagram, I'm not saying break up Instagram into multiple Instagrams. I'm saying Instagram, which has very little relationship with Facebook except it's owned by the same legal entity, move those off from one another. There's no economies of scale, there's no network effects there. That's what I'm saying. Okay. And you're saying oh network effects but like that's a different Thin. I mean, no. I agree there are network effects within a network.
3: No. So what I'm saying is that consumers
1: should be able no, to- uh, You're coming back and you're saying the same thing. And it's it's not,
0: I mean, you're not being Matt. straightforward. We're actually going to go to concluding remarks now anyways, because we're out of time. But, but Sinan, why don't you pick up that point and just finish off with any takeaways you'd like the audience to have? And then Matt, I'll do the same for you.
3: Yeah. So I think part of the problem here is that it's difficult to imagine situations in which we have interoperability amongst social media platforms because we don't have it today. If I was to say to you, could you imagine a world in which you couldn't call somebody from Sprint to Verizon? You'd say, that's crazy, That's I can't even imagine that that would be possible. Uh, But that's exactly the situation that we have today, which is creating the problems uh, of competition that we have today because it enables one large network to lock in its consumers. What I'm advocating is that consumers should be able to send all sorts of communication video, audio, AR, VR, text, etc., from one social media platform to another. And if that were possible, then consumers could vote with their feet and choose the platform through which they entered the network environment based on the platforms competing to provide a better service to the consumer On privacy, on less fake news, on less polarization, on less whatever it is we want to judge them on. And right now, the analogy is that consumers cannot call from Verizon to Sprint, and so they have to stick with whichever platform they can communicate with most of their friends on, and that is not a solution that allows us to push the platforms to align their shareholder value with society's values. If we were to create interoperability, then consumer, true interoperability and true social network and data portability, consumers could vote with their feet and force the platforms to compete on issues that matter to them rather than just saying, well, I guess I have to be part of Facebook because all of my friends and family are on Facebook and I have no choice other than to be on Facebook in order to communicate with them. I also don't believe that interoperability is unachievable even though it may be difficult, and those types of difficult reforms are necessary. Most of the social media platforms have a stack of messaging protocols that they share. They all have textual messages. They all have story-based messages. They all support video messages. They all support different types of messages. You could create a stack with standard APIs that all of the messaging platforms and all of the social media platforms would adhere to so you could exchange messages across them. Then I would not need to be on Facebook in order to communicate with people on Facebook and therefore Facebook would not have a stranglehold on the network effects that make it impossible for people to leave the service with their data and their networks. Once that happened, then they would be forced to compete on providing us the things that we want to see in the social media economy.
0: Thank you, Sanan. Final thoughts from you, Matt. What would you like the audience to take away from this debate? Yeah. So, Sanan, thanks
1: a lot for your comments. And, and uh, I appreciate letting me get a little snippy. Um, I think that the I, I don't think we disagree on the, on the ultimate end goal, which is a um, um, competitive social networking system where people can communicate with whoever they want. I mean, this is the traditional American model of telecommunications, and communications has always been tended towards that. When in AT&T was broken up the first time in 1913, there was also interoperability mandates put on AT&T at the same time. So it's, not, it's, it's, it's kind of a not an either or. And in fact, how to do it, like what to do is pretty simple. And that ultimate vision isn't that hard. So where do we actually disagree? I think we disagree on how to get there. I just think that you don't take power into account. And that's what this is about. This is all about political power. We have a political problem, not actually a problem of what do we do? We have a rule of law problem because the rule of law does not apply to the powerful. We have a market power problem. And you can't just say, well, In my vision, we would get to a utopia where everything is working perfectly. We just wouldn't have to get our hands, you know, mussy with breakups because we could just let these wonderful regulators do it. As we know, regulators are always perfect. I just am looking at this practically saying, we have to break their power first. If we don't break their power, then they're going to not, they're going to capture the regulators, which is what always happens. When you break the power of a dominant firm like when we did in AT&T in 1913 then you can impose interoperability mandates and it works it's the same thing we did in 1984 on AT&T so breaking the power of Facebook means using the law to hold those executives personally accountable and breaking up the firm into competing components so that the executives there are not focused on monopoly maintenance. That's what we have data showing that when firms merge, they stop focusing on competing and they spend a lot more money on lobbying because they become political entities. When executives have to compete, they spend their time focused on their competition and their products. And so that's what we need to get to. In order to police Facebook, in order to build a social media model that you and I, I think, agree on, you have to make sure that we, the people, are in charge, not Mark Zuckerberg. And you're not going to get there unless you find a way to break his power. So that's kind of like, and I think the economics literature over the last 50 years, and I was actually talking about in aggregate, like I think John T. Rowe is a fool. I think a lot of the literature that's been written is sort of silly and besides the point. They don't take power into account. That's what economics is about. So I think like what we have to think about is politically, how do we actually break Facebook's power with the government that we have, which is an incompetent group of people that don't have any regulatory expertise in a fast-moving, difficult-to-regulate area. In order to do that, you need to come up with simple solutions. And the simplest solution is criminal law, a breakup, and then you follow on with building that regulatory expertise. So I think... That like, that's kind of where I'm getting at. You got to think about power and the practical governance here.
0: Thank you very much, Matt Stoller and Sinan Aral. For what has been an absolutely stimulating debate on the topic, is it time to break up Facebook? Thanks very much for joining us. I'm Linda Yu, and you've been listening to Intelligence Squared. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com.